This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Hello there. This is Brian, Warren, and Jennifer from the Wabash Valley Power Alliance Economic Development Team. Together with 19 rural electric member cooperatives, we serve communities in 48 Indiana counties. And we're proud to sponsor today's IEDA In Your Ear podcast. Enjoy. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the Strategic Sites Inventory Program. The SSI program was launched in 2020 through a partnership with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation and the Indiana Power Partnership, and it's intended to help expand the inventory of developable sites in Indiana. With me today is Victor Leota, Principal with Leota Location and Design, Matt Wade, Vice President of Marketing with IEDC, and Aaron Schneider, Director of Economic Development for Duke Energy. So, Victor, well, all of you, thank you for being here. Uh, Victor, we're going to start with you uh, since your company uh, was the originator of the Strategic Sites Inventory Program. Uh, so, I want to ask you to start with a very high level overview of the SSI concept. Uh, what is it? And why should economic developers care? Thank you, Lee. And thanks to IEDA for helping to put this informative session together. Uh, the, the Strategic Sites Inventory Program, or SSI, as it is referred, the intent of the program is advanced site selection. The idea is for communities to get prepared with competitive real estate assets for industrial and commercial development in advance of a prospect coming uh, knocking. Uh, the idea with typical RFI responses or requests for information as it's known in the industry, uh, a prospect will come along looking for a particular uh, site with physical attributes, uh, connectivity to certain infrastructure, uh, and uh, of course, obviously other uh, attributes with respect to operational needs for, for labor, raw material inputs, et cetera. And inherently there are going to be things that aren't gonna be mentioned that should be understood in that the site should be for all intents and purposes ready for development in the sense that it doesn't have serious encumbrances for things like poor soil conditions or significant flood risk or significant coverage of wetlands. Other things, for example, surrounding land use should be compatible. And so there are sites, of course, on the market. Every community just about has uh, greenfield sites that are listed as available for lease or for sale. But many times those are just simply sites that a landowner has decided to put on the market and there has been no uh, at least uh, dedicated effort to, to, to vet the quality of those sites. And so born out of many years of industrial site selection work that, that I performed uh, in my consulting career here in my home state of Louisiana, uh, we learned all the nuances about what it takes to make these sites competitive across the board, not just the site proper, but its surroundings, its setting. And so we backed up and said, hey, let's, let's figure out a way to uh, get ahead of the curve. We had a lot of communities that were losing projects simply because they just didn't have, they just didn't have good dirt. And so we created a program in which we can go and take all of the disciplines involved from engineering to environmental, to forestry, uh, to wetlands biology, uh, landscape architecture, et cetera, et cetera, and apply those to go and look in the backyards of our communities and identify greenfield sites that we think are nationally competitive for an economic development use. And the idea is then for locally for economic development representatives to work with their, their stakeholders uh, uh, on, the, on the permitting side to understand about 
the, the practical uh, potential for these sites to be developed as well as landowners to get them engaged with the goal of getting these sites on the open real estate market uh, to be a known quantity of competitive sites to attract and land good job producing tax sustainable projects. And that in effect is the purpose of this, the SSI program. Okay, thanks, Victor. So Aaron, uh, you, you really were the one who first saw this program being rolled out in Florida and thought it would create an advantage for Indiana economic developers. How did the program get here and why did it seem like a strategic opportunity for Indiana? Yes, I, I had seen the success um, of the program in Florida, thanks to my counterpart. I mean, all the sites that were identified um, and you know newly brought to market down there. So it was a really interesting concept to me. And so I brought it to the IEDC and the Indiana Power Partnership. And, you know, we agreed this was about, you know, identifying more sites, uh, therefore more opportunities to win. And so, um, you know, we, we felt like, you know, it was going to bring sites to people's attention that they were most likely already aware of. But the data and the insight um, that would help them in, you know, justifying why this really made sense to go after the site or to target this industry. You know, we just felt like it was kind of a no-brainer to arm our partners with as much information as possible to win. So, Matt Wade, from the perspective of the Indian Economic Development Corporation uh, and your efforts, how you're involved in marketing the state, how do you think this program is going to enhance Indiana's competitive advantage? Thanks, Lee. For me, I think there's a real hidden gem aspect to this. And as a marketer, I've, I've spent some time with site selectors and it's the thing that they've told me personally over the years that they know about our rankings and our business environment, but what they really like is for us to show us something that they haven't seen. And, and this program, I think it, it's a way for us to, to find new sites with hidden potential. And if we can get that real feedback from each county about which ones are most competitive. I think that's the distinctive difference that site selectors are looking for. And it's the thing that excites me most about the program. So Victor, back to you. So describe like a typical process uh, in an Indiana County. Um, How do you start the process? Uh, What data points go into the process? And then, you know, give us kind of an image of the before and after. So start with the idea of how does the process start? We start with what we call SSI phase one site discovery. That's the initial phase of the program that allows us to go in and identify that raw potential that is there in each community. Uh, It begins with a modeling exercise uh, we call core suitability modeling. And our core suitability models essentially are gonna geographically articulate areas of opportunity based on an intensity of project land use. For example, we have categories for a heavy industrial use, light industrial, uh, agribusiness for both general and heavy, and each of those categories has inherent requirements for things that you want to be near, things or conditions that you want to be away from. And so we began to take into account, for example, uh, of course, transportation infrastructure, looking at interstate interchange, four-lane divided highway or, or acceptable truck routes, class one rail, uh, potentially uh, uh, port, seaports, inland ports, navigable waterways, uh, as far as some of the, the attractive transportation criteria. And under each project land use, uh, there are multiple scenarios. Not every project site needs interstate, for example. And so we'll have a heavy industrial project uh, core suitability model that would then uh, be really geared towards looking for an interstate versus perhaps one that there's a less waiting and a a truck route or a multi-lane divided highway would work just perfectly uh, for that particular transportation scenario. 
The same goes for, um, while typically heavy industrial, most all heavy industrial will have or need rail access, but we do have scenarios where in certain uh, markets that rail is not necessarily that important. The other thing we look at, of course, are all the vulnerable conditions or features that you're trying to avoid. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we wanna model and understand whether there's flood risk or poor soil, soil conditions. Uh, terrain become, can become challenging, so we look at topography of course, potential wetlands, et cetera. And collectively, we smash all of these criteria together. They're each weighted for the appropriate amount of influence in the model. And what we get is if you can envision a color-coded heat map of a, a county or a region or an entire state, in the case of Indiana, and it will give you, uh, again, areas of opportunity to focus or concentrate our efforts for searching for property. Core suitability modeling is the, in effect, the economy of process. We're ruling out 90% of the geography through that process uh, to then begin to focus on areas that we think those sites will have potential. Now from there, uh, that really just gets us started on the site screening because that's very subjective. We take our years of industrial site selection experience and other disciplines, as I mentioned, and we go through the process of uh, inspecting these sites visually through a, uh, an intensive desktop review. And then sites that do not get eliminated that we feel on face value have merit would then ultimately become candidate sites uh, through SSI phase one that said, that constitutes the universe of potential sites that we start with. And now the real work begins. There's no way for us in, in, a, in a remote desktop setting and not being familiar locally to understand really what is practically pursuable or available uh, in each county. And so SSI phase one includes a local site review workshop. And we would then engage each county one-on-one -on -one with the sites that we've identified and bringing into the review team is not just the Lido partner, but we ask that they invite and bring to the table their local officials that represent planning and zoning, permitting, uh, public works, drainage, engineering, county administration, even the tax assessors. And collectively, that uh, will bring great many of the perspectives for us to begin to understand what is known about these sites for things that cannot be gleaned from a GIS desktop study. For example, utilities, we don't have access to that information. So we'll learn about utility access and capacities some history potentially about former use of the property that could create some legacy concerns, environmental or otherwise. Compatibility with surrounding land use. Is there agreement with, with current land use plans and zoning? Uh, is there any known information about landowner motivation? Are these sites already for sale? So invariably, we do find sites, as uh, Aaron mentioned, that, that are already known in the community that may even already be on the market. But we do find, we think, many sites that have great potential that have not otherwise been on anyone's radar. And so uh, that process would conclude with a ranking of sites, sites that didn't get eliminated from consideration for various reasons, then get ranked from one to five. One being it didn't get eliminated, but it's got some, some material challenges that might compromise the competitiveness of the site. A five being all data points indicate that this is a valuable economic development asset that should be given serious consideration for subsequent landowner engagement and pursuit to advance to the open real estate market. And that end of it, itself constitutes the, the local involvement, which is a, invaluable again to the process. And that would conclude what we consider to be SSI phase one site discovery. So this may be a little bit a different way to look at that before and after question, but why is it that, uh, you know, people, so you've got economic developers who are 
in the county. They're there every day. Why is it that some of these sites didn't turn up on their radar screen before? I mean, you know, and I think that's the question uh, that we heard from some of the LIDO directors was, well, you know, I already know my county. Why are, why is this different? Uh, why are you finding things that I don't already know about? Well, I think one of the principal reasons is because it's just, it's, it's time and resources. The fact that you know, many, many, many economic developers uh, have probably more than they can can already handle with their current day-to-day activities to go out and recruit business and respond to opportunity. And so the other aspect of it is the technology component and having, an, short of going out and doing windshield surveys, driving around a county, or just from word of mouth and talking to landowners, I think many lack the resources to take an in-depth look at property on, a, on an efficient basis using GIS and other uh, data that would enable that. Uh, the other component is really, uh, quite frankly, I think is um, having a, a multidiscipline working knowledge of all the different facets that are required to make a site competitive. Organically, many economic developers uh, at the local level have great working knowledge of this as they've worked many projects and engage with site consultants and industry prospects. But I think we're able to bring it all together collectively as a really kind of an overarching filter to understand where there is value and and where there's challenge. And again, but I think it goes back to having time. I mean, this is very time consuming. This is not a trivial effort. And so uh, ultimately, and and by the way, the, the landscape is changing. Certainly, we have many organizations. Some are more better funded than others. Some have access to resources that others don't. So it's not entirely, uh, I think, accurate to say that this isn't being done at the local level, but I do think that there are many, many communities out there that can still benefit from having a third party come in and identify those potential sites for them. The other component is sometimes political. Uh, we, we maintain a, an apolitical objective process, and we've seen over the years where you have sometimes uh, sites that, that for various political appeasement reasons uh, might get placed into an inventory. And um, ultimately, at the end of the day, they're not doing the community a, a great service if they're, if they're somehow less than what is considered to be, by all reasonable and customary standards, a quality site. So some of our partners that I've talked to about the program, they expressed to me they're aware of the sites, and we know that. I mean, these people live in these communities. Some of these people have been in these positions for decades. Mm-hmm you know, they know the landscape like the back of their hand. But I think it's the data that comes out of this that really is able to support their efforts to bring these sites to market. And then on top of that, and I think this is to Victor's point as well, is the ability for them to manage the expectations of their community and maybe they're bored, you know, and if they're able to identify that this site really works best for this industry, or more importantly, doesn't work at all for another, you know, I think that's valuable information for them to have so that they're empowered in what they're doing and also validating when they're not winning these projects that people think that they should be. So Victor mentioned the fact that there are the workshops that are conducted in each county. This process actually started in 2020 and has been evolving over time. So talk a little bit about now where we are in terms of the number of counties, how Lido's have been engaged up, Lido directors have been engaged up to this point, sort of where are we in the process and, and what are some of the next steps in terms of rolling this out around the state? Thanks, Lee. Right now, we're about 73 percent complete with initial identification of screening counties, um, 67 out of 92. And we're ongoing with scheduling local site reviews. We've, d- we've done a handful, um, but there's plenty of opportunity 
to get on the schedule to do more. I would add that our lead site selection manager is Sarah Salisbury at IEDC, and she's been reaching out to Lido's, but you can contact her directly at any time to, to, to get in the schedule now to start those um, local county level site review workshops. But it is contingent on us finishing the initial screenings, and we do have a few counties yet to go. And she's, she's the best contact to look at that schedule and start getting things slotted in. Regarding the status of the SSI program for Indiana, uh, specifically SSI phase one, all 92 counties are, of course, being searched. And uh, previous years, we had completed heavy industrial, including mega sites for the appropriate or applicable counties that would be able to host those types of projects. Um, all the sites uh, are being conducted, site searches are being conducted in batches, uh, generally around eight sites, give or take, per batch. Uh, We've got 10 batches of which seven have been completed, and we expect a delivery of the final batches to round out the site searches, which now includes, of course, light industrial and general and heavy agribusiness across all 92 counties. We anticipate wrapping up the site searches and the final batches at the end of February. Uh, we have started. Uh, we have the local site review workshops that we've talked about. We have completed eight uh, of those workshops thus far. And we have several more that are currently in schedule. And Sarah Salisbury is leading the effort in education and outreach and scheduling. And we're continuing to have that uh, populate our schedule. Uh, just to give you a sense of scale, Matt alluded to this earlier. Uh, we're at um, north of 1,500. Now, again, the word's potential here. We're north of 1,500 sites that have been identified through SSI phase one thus far. Of course, there's some overlap. I don't want to quote a percentage yet, but we have gone through and we do routinely look at the state's sites and buildings database through Zoom Prospector. We always want to pick up overlap uh, and quantify that. We're anticipating probably going to be around 1,800 total potential sites identified through the end of SSI phase one. 67 of 92 counties have been searched through, well, actually it's up to 77 of 92 counties have been searched thus far. Uh, this is an important number. We're averaging 21.3 sites per county. Now, again, to be fair, that's not necessarily all new sites. There, there is overlap with existing sites that are known or already on the market. Uh, but I think I can safely say that, that we're at least averaging around 15 uh, sites per county in that regard that are new sites. Now, not all, of course, will survive the, the, the scrutiny of, of uh, due diligence, but the funnel is designed to be wide at the top. And uh, our goal here, if we can get one or two, maybe even three new sites on the market of uh, exceptional competitive quality, then I think that's a, a real win uh, for each community. So that just gives you a sense of scale and uh, accomplishment and where we anticipate in, in wrapping up the site searches. We expect we'll be through the end of this year and perhaps in the next quarter of 21, uh, 22 uh, in completing the site review workshops but we're making incredible progress. And I think we will see even more participation accelerate because now we've talked about this, uh, we're getting some really positive reception, some great feedback from what's happening. And of course that's generating a buzz and word will travel and we expect and hope to have more communities schedule their local site review workshop. So one of the things that we haven't talked about, and I think is important probably in that context, is how much does this cost for a local Lido, a local county, and who's who uh, is footing the bill? Well, I'm, I'm happy to take that one, Lee. There's no cost at, at the local level. As part of the process, we've made sure that every county can have their own portal. Um, 
to look at their sites. And we thought that was important to get started because we really are in the process of identifying opportunity at this point and then coming together as a group to talk about moving forward with opportunities. We thought it was important to not have costs associated up front to review. Well, that's good to know because I think that's always a question when something like this is coming along. When we roll this out, and it's good to remind everybody that we we did do in 2020, we did do a couple of uh, webinars with these folks involved, and those webinars are archived on the IEDA website. Really, it was our effort to make sure that people understood. And of course, there's a very visual element to this process of being able to see, you know, where those, when Victor described the, the heat map, you know, there are some samples on the, uh, on the presentation of the webinar. So I would encourage everybody to, to go back and review those webinars. We wanted this podcast to be sort of a teaser to get people back into the process. When we did this, uh, did those webinars last year, one of the concerns that was raised was, you know, is this not taking work away from some of our local uh, service providers like the engineering firms, you know, some of the, the, the builders and developers? And I think part of those questions really come from a bit of a misunderstanding about the process, but let's allay those fears. You know, is this taking work away from our local companies? Not at all, Lee. As a matter of fact, this is generating opportunity for local engineering firms, environmental consulting firms, surveyors. And in fact, as sites progress through the SSI program phases, phase two is, is a site that has been scored or ranked as being uh, highly competitive. And there's some indication that landowners are interested in perhaps putting that site on the market. We would proceed through a desktop, uh, a, a deeper desktop dive into what we call preliminary phase two, preliminary due diligence. Uh, to quantify challenges, make sure there's no surprises that perhaps through a desktop screening didn't reveal, uh, a deeper dive into engineering and environmental concerns, cultural resource concerns. Uh, we essentially look at connectivity to the site, et cetera, for utilities and transportation infrastructure. And assuming that a site would survive that level of scrutiny, uh, we recommend advancing the site to uh, a more formal due diligence phase in which uh, things like the, the, the field investigations or boots on the ground studies uh, whether it's a phase one environmental site assessment, uh, a wetlands, wetlands delineation, a boundary survey, topo survey, the, you know, drainage plan, a site cut fill analysis, all of those types of uh, inspections and or assessments would be conducted by potentially an opportunity exists to be conducted by local firms. Uh, in fact, with the, the SSI program in our home state of Louisiana, uh, many local firms have contributed to advancing sites through the due diligence process for our certified sites program. And in fact, in, in Florida, we're in the process now of soliciting uh, bids on behalf of some of our clients to bring local firms in to begin the process of conducting field studies for many sites in the state of Florida. So by, 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 by design, uh, we expect and, and would, would really need the assistance of local firms to provide that level of uh, inspection and assessment of sites, assessment of sites to ensure, uh, confirm the, com the competitive uh, claims of the site. And I'll add to that. One of the original thoughts behind SSI or why maybe it really piqued my interest was because of our own site readiness program. So the Duke Energy Site Readiness Program um, that I've been a part of for the last four years. And we've really struggled with getting sites into that program. So we were hoping, and we now plan to, uh, include many of the sites identified uh, through this program 
to feed into our site readiness program. And that site readiness program is supported by local firms. Specifically, we work with on that banning engineering. So um, the hope is that we have more sites as we move forward um, and just kind of continue that program um, with many more participants than we've seen in the past, thanks to SSI. So let's look ahead a little bit uh, and think out, you know, a few years. I think you all have have some sort of a vision of how this program rolls out and what it will accomplish, what we hope it will accomplish uh, for economic developers in the state of Indiana. So think out of uh, three or four or five years, how will the economic development process be enhanced because we've been through the SSI program? I could take that one to start. I think... In terms of scale, if you look at the potential sites we've identified, you know, over a thousand, there's a lot for us to work on for a long time. But I've seen in these initial county site review workshops that we're uncovering a few opportunities at, you know, at the county level. And and if we can uncover one new site per county with real hidden potential, adding 92 nationally competitive sites with a consensus at that level um, that we could bring these sites forward to prospect. I think that's the trans- transformational aspect of this, to bring in more new jobs and investment to the state. And I'd also say that I think just the collaboration taking place between the power providers, the state, the locals. I mean, what we're seeing here by way of this program, I think is also something that is really empowering and compelling um, to companies and consultants considering Indiana. I mean, we're aligned um, and we're doing what we can to grow Indiana. And I think that hopefully speaks volumes. Well, and I'll add that we, we've mentioned and talked about the fact that SSI is, is going to find some agreement with sites that are already known and on the market, of course. But in a, then by design, we, we are introducing new sites to the mix. Very important. We're also sensitive to the fact that over time, uh, perhaps some of those sites are reserved if an investment's been made in there because communities certainly have competitive sites out there uh, that perhaps we don't want to uh, compete with existing inventory in some respects. But we also have to think about backfill uh, as communities are successful in landing projects. Every project they land then, of course, follows that they're going to lose a real estate asset. And we want to make sure that they can continue to maximize their growth for downstream opportunities, diversification of their industry targets and their economy and make sure that they continue to have the real estate assets to continue long-term sustainable growth. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't think we talked about backfill in some of our previous conversations. And I think that's, that's important that we think about having sort of that supply of sites, um, you know, always sort of in preparation, sort of moving in as opposed to, you know, doing something. And then after you've sold a site, you've, you've committed a site, then to start the process, then always puts you a little bit behind. So I think that's a good that's a good point, Victor. I'm glad you made that. So you've been having some of these workshops with with counties. You talked a little bit, Victor, about that process. Uh, mm-hmm. But are there questions, comments, things that you've learned? Um, any three of you can answer this question. That you've questions you've heard, uh, comments, things that have been sort of common in terms of reactions to this process. I, I could get started. I, I don't think we've done one local site review where there wasn't a consensus that we found something new. That was very exciting to me. And then I do. I think there's this collective wisdom, you know, like through this process, we've 
I think we've become a much more efficient team. The, the power partners I know have been instrumental in guiding me toward making some decisions. And we've learned so much as a group that even existing sites to revisit them and talk about them in different ways and to look at other uses. It's been really eye-opening to me. I think that's been sort of the universal aspect to, to this process. I would add that we're discovering that many communities, even sites that they have on the market, the information that's, that's critical uh, to supply to a site consultant or a prospect uh, has not already been compiled. Um, in many cases, it, we find that the discussion that is built into the local site review workshop is really going to stimulate uh, the idea of becoming more specific with respect to what the, the assets and infrastructure, all the different competitive attributes that are necessary to quantify for, for sites. And so in some respects, even sites that are known and already on the market that we've identified as well, we're asking that the communities go and, and make sure that we have at least the minimum required information is quantified and ready to go. So that there's that element of what I think is, is another piece of value that comes organically out of SSI phase one. We get questions a lot of times. One of the most common questions that we do get, Lee, is uh, do we consider zoning? And the short answer is no. We certainly, where we identify a site that we think is competitive and there's already agreement with land use and zoning, uh, that can be considered some low-hanging fruit. But very often, we make the business case that you know, we want the land to be what the land wants to be. And we make the business case that the time and effort, uh, the political will, and all the things that are necessary to go through a rezoning process is justifiable. And that can take some time. Um, and the idea is to not only get the site prepositioned for through proper zoning to be ready for permitting and development, but also to take into consideration compatibility with surrounding land use, uh, put some zoning protections in place so that your, your last remnants of your really high quality competitive economic development uh, properties don't get encumbered by allowing something like residential, for example, to back up against a heavy industrial site. So there's, there's a, a lot of questions and frankly, a lot of downstream work that comes out of this to protect these uh, position and protect these real estate assets. Also add that several of our partners have expressed that they were pleasantly surprised with the information uh, that came about in the local workshops. So I think, you know, with this program, you know, it's, you know, it can be kind of confusing. It sounds like a lot, but I think you just have to do what makes sense. Um, I mean, some of the workshops are, you know, very small groups, others are larger groups, you know, do what makes sense for you, but it could be worth your while. And I think you'll only know if you check it out. So I think we're getting at the end of our time here, um, and, and I thank you all for uh, walking us through this again. For people who are listening and want more information, there are the webinars from last year that are archived on the IEDA website, um, and certainly uh, we can help provide connections to everybody that's on the podcast today to help you better understand. So before we close, uh, what haven't we covered uh, that you all think is critical that I haven't asked about? I would just add that at the local level, this isn't theoretical anymore. It feels very concrete to look at aerial maps and to talk um, with county officials about whether these sites are competitive or not. And so the big numbers are exciting for sure, but I think I would encourage everyone listening to sign up for the county level workshops. I think it's, uh, it's really where we start to find things out that are actionable and the process of 
initial identification has been great too, but I, I think we've got some momentum now with the local reviews and I, I'd like to see that increase because it, it is maybe the most exciting phase so far. And I would say that my job at Duke Energy is to support our local partners. And this program really helps us to understand what they need, whether it be bringing their site into our site readiness program or accessing our marketing grants. It really helps us get our arms around how we can help them best. Thank you all. Today for this podcast, we've been exploring this uh, strategic sites inventory program. Uh, This has been launched through a partnership with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation and the Indiana Power Partnership. And talking with me today were uh, Victor Leota, principal with Leota Location and Design, Matt Wade, vice president of marketing with IEDC, and Aaron Schneider, director of economic development for Duke Energy. Thank you all. Thanks, Lee. This has been the IEDA In Your Ear podcast brought to you by Wabash Valley Power Alliance. Thank you for listening. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved. Thank you.